Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kel on Earth Revisited, where you will travel with me, Kelly Karg, back through my life and musings as I celebrate not only my 40th year, but the milestone of 100 chapters of the original blog. I have started from the beginning and continue to move through 14 years of observations as I find my voice and my place in the world and reflect on who that person was. So come with me into year two and celebrate the achievement of longevity and literacy. I never thought Kel on Earth would still be here. Part two, chapter five, Phuket, and then some. April, 2010. Ah, water. Everyone remembers, I assume, how much Kelly fears the deep blue abyss. Yeah, fear is still there, but it is beginning to transform to a more focused, specific kind of fear. Overwhelming awe. Our Thinjin holiday, or the water festival, which is the closest thing to a spring break, um, consists of running away from the buckets of water being thrown at us from random strangers in the streets of Yangon into the crystal clear waters of the Andaman Sea. A cop out perhaps two years in a row, but we did some dancing in the rain in Phuket while we were temporarily on land. So the way I see it, mission accomplished. Um, As an update, still no rain in Yangon, officially two weeks late, and it shows. Jeanette and I started our trip in Bangkok, where the red shirts were hard at work protesting the government, though that didn't prevent her from dropping a couple hundred dollars at the first clothing shop she found. Update. One week later, that mall was burned down as a result of the protests that were going on. We also stopped by the hospital, where we both got clean bills of health. Yay! No more ovary that ate Tokyo! The next day, it was off to Phuket enter dirty choke here where kelly got her fill of mcdonald's and subway for the month it was awesome i might be able to make it another month after all phuket is not nearly as seedy as it has been made out in the past according to jeanette who lived here eight years ago the tsunami changed the entire structure of the place there are still girly boys in bars and on the occasional street corner but it's not as ubiquitous as it once was Like most vacation spots, it has been westernized and polished up with ATMs and tour agencies. The amount of American fast food and Thai massage places is still staggering, and there are far more white faces than Asian. Coming from Yangon, a culture where short skirts and spaghetti straps are taboo, this conservative girl was shocked at the teeny tiny outfits that were being sported. Now, I'm sure it's the same in the U.S., which is why I should stop being so prudish, but still, that shot cracks me up every time. Anyway, the Bar Street is a strip of seediness that faces the wide street of pedestrians walking up and down, gawking at the dancers on tables and strip poles. No nudity from the street, but there is a lot to look at, whatever your fancy. Iridescent propellers fly straight up and into your hand for a price, is the 12-year-old selling them. Hawkers grill corn over coal fire, and skewered meats pop temptingly over the flame. Beers are cheap, music is loud, and I gotta admit, it's pretty fun. If you like that adult Disneyland staged drunkenness thing. 
The next day was beach time, which consisted of a beer man on regular rounds every 15 minutes, ocean water as warm as a bath, and hot boys sitting behind us, matching the beers drink by drink. It was a great day that ended with none of us really getting anything done that needed to get done. But damn, that sunset was a good one. And the next day, after nursing a bit of a beach beer-induced hangover, we took the long drive to Kalak, which is three hours north, where we would be catching a boat to the Similan Islands. Jeanette used to be a dive instructor, so obviously she was going to be with other badasses while diving. That left the other Jeanette, I know, confusing friends I have for the sake of clarity, Jay will henceforth be Jeanette, my constant traveling partner, and Jeanette can keep her own name. (laughs) So... Jeanette, not Jay, would be my buddy, taking our advanced dive training together. So the boat, there were 24 drive divers, six instructors, and six Thai staff with rooms on a boat with three bathrooms, a closet for a kitchen, and that's all just on the lower level. Our goal was to be on board for four and a half days, four dives a day, and two on the .5 day. (laughs) We did them all. It was absolutely amazing, amazing. If you know me at all, you would know that I hate being bad at anything. So to compensate, I am overly cautious and watchful. Our instructor Alice looked Alex looked like a Mexican Heath Ledger and talked super fast. It's the end of the season and poor Alex got into a motorbike accident with his girlfriend and broke his toe and scraped himself up a bit right before the boat trip. Needless to say, the four of us students were a bit frustrating for Alex, which made a few of us some nervous. Jumping into the water that first time, wow, that had to have been hysterical to watch. We were standing at the stern of the boat, ready to jump in, tank on, weight belt on, air levels where they should be, masks spit in, I love that, fins helped into, one, two, three, go! In we get, and start floating away from where we're supposed to be. (laughs) Jeanette has problems with her secondary regulator, Rian's tank is leaking air, and my mask is doing weird things. Looking at Alex, I tried really hard not to laugh because the poor guy was next to tears thinking about what he had to deal with for the next four days. Oh, stupid. It was great. I don't know how these instructors do it, really. I know they love diving and being on boats, but their whole job is to deal with a new bunch of stupid people every week. Lordy, I mean, teachers deal with a group of stupid people for the space of a year and then start over, but in that time, a learning curve is established. Every week, these instructors have to go through the same process of dealing with panicky landlubbers. Oof, no thanks. So I sympathize. And going back to my despair at being bad at things, it gets real bad if the teacher slash instructor looks at me like I'm an idiot because I don't have much of a defense to such a charge. Thankfully, I did have 14 dives to prove that though my fear of water coupled with my fear of touching, therefore destroying underwater habitation was rather crippling, I could learn and I could be a badass. Yep, that's me. We dove three times a day during the day as well as at night. And by the middle of the second day, I was dealing appropriately with currents and my buoyancy was manageable. Oh, and that dive computer thing? Huh, no problem. As has been discussed before, Kelly has decided that traveling alone is not for her, and this trip proved that. I loved meeting new friends who I still talk to on social media, but it's great to have that common language with people you have known for a while. So to both Jay and Jeanette, I'm glad that the hundreds of stories from this trip that did not get mentioned will be remembered by more than just me. I'm going to miss you next year.
I'll see everyone soon. Time for summer and real Colorado Mexican food. All right. Yes, as I mentioned at the bottom of this post, there were a lot of things that happened in this week. And in summing up, um, I, I left out a lot. And some of that was good. And some of that in my desire to speed through and kind of um, focus on particular incidences, like I, I didn't give very good credit to to some of the events or I mean and I guess I shouldn't apologize for that because at the time so much of this beginning sounds so trite and sounds so 2010 white girl traveling around Um, particularly when it comes to the discussion of the red shirt protests and conversations about the quote seediness of Phuket and how it's kind of seen or had been seen as kind of a sex capital of of the world or how Thailand is seen that way that you know this is a place where people come to you know and engage in in sex tourism really um so looking at those two particular details first uh it's 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 a shamey it's cringy it's and I don't like using that word uh, because it's it's just embarrassing the way that I'm very flippant about the red shirts um of that protest at the time and for those who don't know the uh, the red shirt protests that happened in 2010 and actually on into 2011 um were a response to kind of at the time the king wasn't I mean he hadn't been seen in public for so long and um, kind of and he's adored in movie theaters there in in Thailand people stood you have to stand at the movie theater because it's basically their their pledge of allegiance or their um, their national song and their respect to the king at the start of movies um, so that was something that we did several times going to visit um, Phuket, well not Phuket, going to visit Bangkok uh, in the two years that I was in Myanmar, having to make a visa run pretty much every six weeks. Um, and so we'd watch movies and um, some, when we did, we, we were just, it was became normal for us to stand up and give honor to the king. Anyway, so... The red shirt protests were um, protesting against um, militarization of the country and of the city in particular, and kind of the political motivation behind behind all of that corruption, um, uh, human rights violations, uh, violence, um, mistreatment of of prisoners or detainees. Uh, of people who are critical of of the government or how things were being run in Thailand at the time. Uh, and so I, I very flippantly talk about how, oh, I was at a mall and what did I say? Yeah, and I was at a, oh, a hospital, da-da-da-da-da. I was, I was there and something got burned down the week after that. 
And I'm, I'm just like, I'm very flippant about that. Um, and a lot of people died. A lot of people lost their lives and there was a uh, military action that was happening in, in Thailand. And I've mentioned this before on this podcast. I, I am fascinated at my lack of, gosh, at this point it's sounding like empathy, lack of care for kind of an entire country. I have said so little about, about Thailand in, in, in these pages, in this, uh, in this blog and in this podcast, apparently because I, I didn't think it was worth talking about. So this, I'm, I'm like, okay, this girl is just, we're going to go on a beach holiday. We're going to Phuket. Oh my gosh, we're going to Phuket. We're going to go diving, you know, privilege and protest was building within this city because the average citizen was trying to, was protesting abuses. <coughs> so yeah, that doesn't age well. It doesn't, it's not a good look. It's not a good look, Kel. <coughs> Beyond that, we get into Phuket and we see there's these comments that I'm making and I guess I'm trying to describe the seediness and the seediness of the place as it as describing quote girly boys i think that was still at a time where people were very fascinated by um transgender people um by sex workers and it being seen as kind of exotic rather than it being seen as at least as a 20 something year old person, I'm like, it was fascinating. Uh, and again, I, I didn't talk about any of this at all, but I went to strip clubs in Bangkok. I went and I've, I've seen um, performers that looking at a lens 10 years, 15 years later, it these were clearly abusive situations that are still happening, but and some of them maybe weren't quote abusive, but they're, it's an industry that uh, I'm not sure to this day is, is well regulated. And we had had lots of conversations about prostitution and about stripping and um, about the accessibility of, of, um, of um, at the time, quote, transvestite um, sex workers. And this was the sex change capital of the world. So all of that kind of gender and sex related content or conversation that was happening around Thailand at the time, it was like kind of salacious and scandalous and uh, interesting, but even in our conversations about it, I remember distinctly being being kind of in the middle ground of, I believe that sex workers should have rights, but we weren't really considering so much of this as like a human trafficking issue. Um, and in Thailand, we still kind of didn't necessarily know and I still don't know how much of that was a result of trafficking or just a result of not just but as a result of um, people coming in from from more rural areas to work to find work in the city 
anyway, so it's, it's, it's all very flippant here. And I know that that was kind of the point. Like I, I said it, the adult Disneyland, like if you like that adult Disneyland stage drunkenness thing. And so I'm, again, it's a time capsule of that really misogynistic travel and tourism and to a certain extent obviously like I I have admitted that I've gone to some of these strip clubs in Bangkok but we saw more and more people specifically white men in Bangkok for quote for pleasure for um, certain kinds of tourism and Phuket was the, no, was it Phuket? Uh, I can't remember if it was Phuket or, um, we were, we were on one of these holidays and seeing the amount of children who were very clearly, um, had a, a father different from their mother's ethnicity. So we saw children running around on the beach while their mothers were working and selling um, selling wraps and selling necklaces. And their father was nowhere around, and that's making big assumptions, but we, we saw a lot of this, the products of kind of this really, I don't know, I mean, seedy in... in a really in a non-judgmental way I feel like seediness is like it's like putting judgment on the people who were there and the way that I've I've I had in my time in Thailand shifted the narrative away from you know victim blaming and away from under well the the way that power flows these are all people who were trying to make a living and had encountered wealthy people or wealthier people come to their country play and then leave and leave impact behind so this particular chapter, it's um, it's a it's a good one to reflect on for a lot of reasons, but those two reasons in particular, I wanted to talk about them off the off the top, just because I'm reading this and I, I do remember that time, and most of the time, I have very positive memories from from this trip, but in seeing how I wrote it so starkly that I'm, I'm talking about McDonald's and I'm talking about, oh, ha, 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 you know, 12 year olds selling crap on the road. Uh, and then I'm talking about basically making a, a mountain of beer cans or beer bottles on the beach. Um, it's not a good look. And um, so I did, I did notice these things. I did try to provide my readers with a little bit of context, but I, I think it was, I don't know. I think it, it wasn't very well done. And this is one of those 
instances where I think I had been thinking about this um, event or this week for a long time. And so finally putting it down and, and um, distilling it in a way that focused on diving because that's why we were there. Um, and kind of just randomly mentioning things. I feel like this might be a good one that, mm, that's, a, that's a thought, it's a thought for this podcast. I wonder if I, what would happen if I go back and rewrite some of these because I, I, th- I would make different choices um, if I were, again, remembering these things the way that I still distinctly remember them. Um, if my artistry as a writer could improve this chapter. So yeah, that was kind of some of the ickiness. Oh God, westernized and polished up. I don't know if you can tell from the reading of it that I was not, even then, I was not, I was not, this was not necessarily positive that Phuket before the tsunami was a good or was a bad place and I'm like oh and now it's been cleaned up um but it's the the tone shifted and again I think I could have written that in a better way but I think I was trying to I was not pleased at this time in my life and I'm still not actually with over westernization of places yes on my weaker or in my weaker moments i i do love a good a, a fast food name that i that i'm familiar with yes that's great but i know that that comes with a cost to local community and, and local culture and uh community um but yeah so i'm phuket being more westernized here was not something i was happy about <coughs> excuse me so the diving, <clears throat> I, I I just I want to just briefly discuss this because I think the, the diving aspect I did uh, focus on pretty well. But the Similan Islands, can I just say, I'm I was very very spoiled in my dive experiences when that was a hobby that I was pursuing. <clears throat> um. The Similan Islands is one of the most beautiful locations to to dive in. The <clears throat> amount of wildlife, the the animals, the flora and the fauna, like the the micro diversity um, on some of these underwater submerged islands <clears throat> is just fantastic. <clears throat> And I was, I, I think I, I did do a good job here of, of clarifying my uselessness as a diver at this point. And learning how to dive at a place that is so stunning really must have been incredibly frustrating for, for the dive instructors. Yes, it's their job. Yes, they get paid. Yes, they get to dive for a living. But dealing with humans, man, especially in such a beautiful place, it's one thing like I learned how to dive um, in... <laughs> Indonesia in in Lombok and just right off the coast there yeah there's lots of stuff but you're just you know playing with salt water and learning how to do things I was doing my advanced dive training at a place that actual divers go and spend as much time as they can there and go deep and and really explore and just hang out and I'm learning how to go in a square 
using my compass, you know, stuff like that. It's just, it blows my mind that the privilege of that, and this is the decision that was made. Uh, but to be fair, Jay, as I, in the parlance of the, of the chapter was an experienced diver and wanted to go to the Cimalan Islands and wanted to go with friends. And we're like, yeah, sure. Okay. And so we were given this really amazing gift of going and it was my first night dive and we went in a cave like don't even talk to me about that it was so scary it was at night it was kind of it was like a swim through kind of cave where the opening was probably it felt really really tight but it was probably i don't know two meters maybe two and a half meters that we had to tall right so we had to flatten out and go in and swim out the other side and something that's only two meters tall when if you are horizontal you have your body plus your regulator plus your tank, uh, your your BCD, your your vest, right? That's that's keeping you, that's helping you regulate your buoyancy. And so that's you're you're at least a meter tall, and so you're trying to navigate this relatively small space. And I did it, and I didn't freak. I freaked out afterwards, but I didn't freak out in the moment because I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. But it, man, I've. That's one of those things that I've I've I was learning that I have um, claustrophobia issues, but I did it and it was really scary. And I thought a big sea monster was gonna come out in the dark somewhere and just you know what the whole time. So it was it was hilarious and um, an experience that I will remember for sure. Uh I don't know. I think again, I could I could go on and on, but I think I should stop. Um, I do want to clarify here where I'm talking about how you know instructors deal with stupid people every every year or not every year every every week, and I I said that you know I have stupid people throughout the year, insensitive, um, but. I think, I mean, clearly I mean that in a pithy way. Like we are, I, I teach middle school. We, we educate kids how to be people. And so sometimes they just don't do, they don't make decisions that are very um, well thought out because their brains aren't there yet. And so I just like to clarify, I don't think the students that I teach are stupid, but for the, the purpose of this post, it would, I find it much more frustrating to work with adults who don't have, who, who can't figure things out than children because children, it's part of their development (laughs) and adults, come on guys, get it together. So anyway, but yeah, so Thailand, I, I am fascinated with the Kelly of this time and her absolute disdain for that place. But um, it makes it makes interesting conversation 12 years later. So thanks for listening. Thank you so much for joining me here at Kel on Earth Revisited. I hope to see you next time where I say goodbye to my time in Myanmar. Uh, I can't believe year two is coming to a close and I couldn't at the end of 2010 either. Hope to see you there.